This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Robert Evans here. And my novel, After the Revolution, is available for pre-order now from akpress.org. Now, if you go to akpress.org, you can find After the Revolution. Just Google akpress.org, After the Revolution. You'll find a list of participating indie bookstores selling my book. And if you pre-order now from either of these independent bookstores or from AK Press, you'll get a custom signed copy of the book which I think is pretty cool. You can also pre-order it in physical or in Kindle form from Amazon or pretty much wherever books are sold. So please Google AK Press after the revolution um, or find an indie bookstore in your area and pre-order it. You'll get a signed copy and you'll make me very happy. Oh, oh, Sophie, this plate of Behind the Bastards is so heavy as we walk through this hallway. Oh my gosh, is that David Anthony and Gareth Reynolds with, with, a, with a heavy plate of, of the dollop? Oh no, oh no, I'm losing control. Oh God, you guys are slipping too. Ah! How, how, was, how was that? That was so bad. That was so bad. I couldn't disagree that, more. That was the most <laughs> organic... Mm-hmm. Just real thing I think I've ever heard. Natural. Like it was, mm-hmm. yeah. Like you're really. The only good thing at this. I'm noticing uh-huh. is you didn't have plates, so I'm wondering how. 
<laughs> I, I was wondering as I started it, are they going to join in or am I going to just have to commit fully to this? And, and Now, that's something where mm-hmm. if it's I, me, I just let you go and then let you hang inside. I, for a I, long was like, time. I was a dog in a yard that wanted to leave it, but was like, I'll get it. I'm not supposed to leave. So I was on the other end. I wanted to join. Oh, gosh. Well, this is this is just a wonderful time. Um, obviously, again, you are Dave Anthony, Gareth Reynolds, hosts of The Dollop, uh, the podcast that invented being funny about history on the internet. Um, thank you so much for, for sitting down with us today. Thank you. Oh, we've always, uh, for a long time, I've wanted to do something with you. So, And we've yeah. talked yeah. about this, but yeah. We, yeah this is, we have. This, is... <laughs> this has been like bouncing back and forth uh, for a while, and it was just one of those things where it's like, well, when we finally do our six-part series on Henry Kissinger, it's going to be the worst thing we've ever had to do. <laughs> yeah. I, have a therapy, I have a therapy session set up right afterwards. Dave married a therapist in preparation. That's good. Really putting in the deep work yeah. to make this to make this series a success. It. Yeah. Um, so my working title for this, which they probably won't let us use, is Henry Kissinger, comma, a big sack of donkey balls. Um, What's wrong but with that? Before, can, can we do that, Sophie? I'm perfectly fine with that. What are you talking about? Um, what do you guys know? Like, I, I kind of think we maybe it's a good idea to start with. Like, what what's your your Cliff's notes? We'll have we'll have you do it, Dave, because because you're the one who reads things normally. I on mean, the dollop. I think that's what's the your right Cliff's order, notes of Kissinger. Yeah, you know, a Kissinger. The thing that you know, obviously stands out as Vietnam and Cam- and Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's just reprehensible beyond all words, but he's really been a part of just so many horrific foreign policy decisions and had his, he's always getting in there. He's always a part of the business or at least was, I don't know if he is now, but for a long time, he was always a guy who would come in and go, why don't you do the worst thing? Yeah. And that's, um, that's the thing that's, that's interesting and even a little bit difficult about talking about him. Cause he, he's not one of these guys. He's not like, you can't say with him, like you can with, I don't know, Saddam Hussein, like, Oh, he ordered, he started this war on this date, you know, or he, um, he or- ordered this man. I mean, you can actually, um, but he's he's not like a he's not on paper supposed to be a warlord or an elected leader. The thing that he is good right. at doing is getting the ability to do stuff that warlords and dictators do by sitting in the back rooms with people who are the ones who on paper hold the power and convincing them to let him do stuff. Um, yeah. And he's you know, the best at that there's ever been. <laughs> we've had a couple figures on our, our podcast who I would relate to, like, and I would say maybe Kissinger is like the war crimes Forrest Gump, where yeah. Yeah. it's like, <laughs> yes! just kind of, you're like, oh yeah, he was there. He's for, for, he invented shit happens. I didn't know he yeah. invented that phrase. <laughs> yeah, that's that's incredibly that's that might. I mean, that's honestly a better title than the one I came that up is, with. That is the perfect yeah, title. Is. <laughs> I mean, it obviously Forrest Gump is 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 blameless and Kissinger is not. But it does right. get at the fact that he's just like he's just there. He's just in every fucking photo of like guys doing a war crime. Like it yeah. is baffling the number of things he's connected to. I should probably just start, stop selling it. But I I do kind of want to talk about the fact that he is, he is this kind of back room figure in a lot of the worst things that happened in the 20th century, because we're going to spend episode one. By the time this episode's over, he's not, you know, in the White House. He's not running shit. This is an episode where we talk about like his early life and his ideological roots, because that's what, 
that's what underpins all of the things that he does. He's not a guy... People talk about like what Kissinger believes, and Kissinger himself has written a bunch of books about what he believes. My opinion, as an amateur guy studying this dude, is that I don't think he believes things as much as he beliefs and ideas are weapons that he uses in order to get people to let him do horrible things. Ugh. And he is the master of using beliefs and and moving between different groups of people who on paper are ideologically opposed and getting them all to agree with whatever bullshit he wants to do because he's really good at talking about ideas like a fucking philosopher. Like that's his superpower. They might just have trouble understanding him. I know I have. <laughs> sure, whatever. What did we agree to? Oh, God. I, I, I was going to ask Gareth before we get started here is your German accent locked and loaded uh, I mean listen as uh, to the disgust of the German people it is mm-hmm. that's fine that's fine they I, I think we can all agree after the 20th century the Germans lost the right to be angry when people uh, that's make fun how of their I feel. it's that's like Texans you know everyone can do a Texan yeah <laughs> like, that's how I feel sure. I don't think I can I can make any accent sound kind of English and sort of Spanish at the and same And yet time. can't do English. It's really mm-hmm. just yes. sort of this amazing ability <laughs> to... <laughs> See, whenever I do a non-American accent, it just it drifts Russian at some point, like 100% yeah, of the time. Great. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, well, this is your time. Now you can shine mm-hmm. with what's going on. I know, world. I know. I'm ready to just yuck it up over... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, there's a number of roots of what's happening between Ukraine and Russia right now that you can tie back to Jesus Henry Kissinger. Christ. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Of course there is. Um, I mean, that's that's a little bit less his his the area that he fucked around in, but he did some fucking around there. Like one of the things we are spending six episodes talking about Henry Kissinger, and we're leaving some shit out. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you you have to. I mean, he's been around so many years. I mean, just the yeah. fact that he was still palling around with Hillary Clinton in the election. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, what is that guy doing there? Don't you know he's bad? And and he's I mean, the the thing that is so interesting about Kissinger is that he he does have this equal. He's equally good at talking to like people who would call themselves liberals and progressives as he is to like far right neocons. Like he's he's he's. I mean, you could. I think you could say that part of what that reveals is that the ruling class in this country are all in agreement about things more often than they disagree about things. But part mm-hmm. of it is just that like he is so charming. We will be talking a bit about Kissinger as a sex symbol, which is a thing that happens, and I am so wow. sorry that we have okay. to discuss it. No, I was um, hoping that you yes. would say this, because I've wanted I've wanted to fuck him for so long. Like, that's one yeah. of the main things. He's hot. Yep. I that's call him Henry everyone's... Fuckinger. I've always wanted to... Uh, <laughs> kiss is not yeah, enough for me. Is... <laughs> that's, that's just the taste of what I'm after. Oh, boy. We'll A-B test the, the Forrest Gump and the Fuckinger title. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just see what, what plays best in Poughkeepsie. Um, <laughs> so... Heinz Alfred Kissinger was born on May 27, 1923, in the city of Firth, Germany. The Kissingers were a Jewish family, and so given that this is Germany in the early 20s, you can tell we're not off to a great start already, right? This is this is not going to be a story yeah. that begins in a particularly pleasant place. Sure. Um, he was born in a very chaotic world. The great year was like five years past uh, when he comes in onto the planet. Everything is falling apart in Germany and a lot of other places. The year he's born, Primo de Rivera seized power as the dictator of Spain. Spain. Mustafa Kemal took power in Turkey. The Bulgarian prime minister was assassinated um, in a coup. Like, it was a troubling time to be a baby. But Heinz's mother and father had some reasons for optimism. While Firth was not an attractive city, in fact, one contemporary described it as stifling in its narrow dreariness, our mm. ungardened city, city of soot. 
um, you know, it's it's a city. <laughs> it's, it's city. It's city. It's a working class factory town. But because of that, and this is the period in which the working class is a lot more left wing than, you know, folks tend to give it credit for being today. Um, it's a very it's like a haven for Democrats, not like our Democrats, but people who support democracy as opposed to want to go back to having a Kaiser, you know. Mm. Um, so Firth is who wouldn't want to go back to having a Kaiser. He was so yeah, awesome. Yeah, it worked so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to have a king who gets us into World War One and like whacks off about his mom's hands. That sounds great again. <laughs> well, now that I know what we're talking about, let's dance. I'm in. I want a Kaiser. So Firth is. In some ways, you could see it. Its reputation in Germany as being kind of like Portland today. It's a very left-wing town. It's seen as a haven for socialists. But it's also kind of like Selma, Alabama during the civil rights era because Firth has a very large Jewish population. And the period in like the late 1800s is when a lot of le- like there's a there's essentially apartheid against Jewish people in Germany for a long time. So Firth is the city that has Germany's first Jewish lawyer and it has a bunch of their other first oh. Jewish, you know, exes person who does this job because it's it's this very progressive city with a very integrated Jewish community. So it, it's this mix of hmm. you, the Nazis aren't going to like this town. Right. right. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Like yeah. Portland. <laughs> yeah, like Portland. Yeah, it's it's got some similarities between a couple of things. So Heinz's parents, Paula and Louis, uh, had grown up in Imperial Germany, where Jews were restricted from holding certain jobs, going to certain schools, living in certain homes, and this had ended by the time the Kaiser had. So Louis Kissinger, um, Henry's dad, came of age in a period in which a Jewish boy could actually build a professional life for the first time in mainstream German society. He was a member of the first and almost the last generation that this would be true of. Um, Why? What happens? <laughs> oh, Dave, we may need to do a, a separate podcast I've, series. To I've cover that. never read any German history. Oh, my God, it's so exciting. <laughs> so he starts work, Lewis, as a teacher in a secular pi- private school when he's 18, and he holds the job for 14 years. And he was a very patriotic person. Um, he's he's also an, like he is a, an Orthodox Jew, so he's very religious, but he considers himself a German for, first and foremost. And his family is very patriotic. His brother fights in World World War One. So does his wife's dad. Two of his cousins die fighting for the Kaiser. And when the war ends in German defeat, you know, there's all these rumors spread throughout the far right that the nation's been stabbed in the back by an alliance of Jewish boogeymen. Um, Heinz or sorry, Lewis kind of he sees this as happening, but he doesn't think that it's ever going to like take hold. He's uh, Henry would later recall that his father would regularly say, we live in an age of tolerance. Mm-hmm. So his and dad is right. not, a, not right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Are you talking about America in 2022 or are you talking <laughs> yeah. about Germany? Yeah, we are talking about this on the day that Texas just announced a fun new law. Yeah, um, yeah this is this is like... You know, Henry's wrong about a lot of stuff. His father is also wrong, but for a much sadder reason. Sounds like there was a psychic gene in the family. (laughs) I see us being tolerant for a generation. Germany will be a watchword for tolerance. We will be a bastion for all types. <laughs> oh, poor buddy. Um, yeah, so he's. Uh, it, it's interesting because like the Zionist movement is is rising in this time, and Kissinger's family re- rejects this wholeheartedly because they're so German, right? Um, like they don't they don't want to ever leave. Um, so obviously, the Nazi Party rises consistently through Henry's childhood. Firth was initially safe from this. Just a few months after Heinz is born in September of 23, the Nazis and other far-right organizations hold a German day in Nuremberg. Uh, several caravans of them pass through Firth, sort of like Nazis do 
today in yeah. a lot of places. Mm. Um, and, you know, they were looking for a fight when they drove through. They went through first sure. because it's the town where you can get a fight. And they got one. Uh, this is like right after Hintonary is born, a mob of brown shirts are assaulted by a hundred strong crowd screaming, kill them and down with Hitler, uh, which okay, is pretty let's rad. let's end the yeah. story there. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great yeah. ending. And that's the tale of Henry Kissinger. <laughs> <laughs> a kid who was a baby when some dudes did some rad stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, so Firth was integrated enough that Heinz initially attended a public school with Christian classmates, which was not common wow. for, for Jewish kids in this time. Yeah, he's like going to school with with other like kids who are not Jewish. Um, eventually, his dad puts him in a private school, but that's also an integrated private school. So while his education is secular, her family, his family's very strict Orthodox. He attended Hebrew school, which he hated. Uh, I found a quote from another Jewish guy who grew up in Firth at the same time that gives an idea as to why Henry was not a big a fan of his early religious education. Quote, religion was a study and not a pleasant one, a lesson taught soullessly by a soulless old man. Even today, I see his evil, conceited old face in my dreams. He thrashed formulas into us, antiquated Hebrew prayers that we translated mechanically without any actual knowledge of the language. What he taught was paltry, dead, mummified. And that, I think, is broadly in line with how Henry feels, because he's not, well, he doesn't grow up very religious. So Henry is, is, is a little kid, you know, he, he does a lot of religion stuff. But as he grows older, he rejects his father's passion for faith um, and his dad's interests in classical music and theater. Instead, Henry Kissinger falls in love with soccer. He is a what? huge soccer head. Oh, what yeah. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> I know, right? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Firth has like a locally renowned team. They're one of the best teams in Germany. And so like their kids teams, which are feeders into this whatever team, are, are very competitive too. Henry starts playing in a youth league when he's six years old. Um, and he later recalled, quote, I wasn't really very good, though I took the game seriously. But well, now, what about soccer? We should talk about that. Oh, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so his real prowess early on was in strategy. As this quote from Niall Ferguson's Kissinger, it's a book named Kissinger, like the guy, makes clear. Though no great athlete, Heinz Kissinger was already a shrewd tactician, devising for his team a system that, as, he, as it turns out, is the way the Italians play soccer. The system was to drive the other team nuts by not letting them score, by keeping so many people back as defenders. It's very hard to score when 10 players are lined up in front of the goal. So immediately, Henry Kissinger as a kid is like, you know what will help us win and also make this game no fun at all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we need to poison their water. <laughs> yeah. Henry, what are you talking about? Poison we must their water. firebomb the homes. We know to do set dynamite <laughs> under their keeper i know we are six but we will park the bus there will be no joy in soccer remove the keeper's hands he is he is as a six-year-old doing the soccer equivalent of carpet bombing <laughs> <laughs> so he gets so into soccer that he starts to neglect his studies and his father actually bans him from playing for a while um, the older he gets, Henry has more and more conflicts with his dad, a, a thing that no one else has ever experienced. Um, and yeah, he would regularly, after fighting with his father, bicycle over to the home of a friend who later recalled, he liked, he liked being with us. It seems to me he had a problem with his father. If I'm not mistaken, he was afraid of him because he was a very pedantic man. His father was always checking Heinz's homework and kept a close watch on him. Heinz told me more than once that he couldn't discuss anything with his father, especially not girls. So his dad's not like mm. hitting him or anything. He's just like really, really annoying <laughs> to Henry. And just like yeah. a bit, and just like pay attention to your studies beyond anything yeah. else. Like yeah. I think I like this girl. Like well, she doesn't. She's not going to the same school. Uh, focus, mm -hmm. Henry. Focus. Mm. 
Well, yeah, and he's he's clearly a dick who's like, you know, you can't be a professional soccer player at eight. You mm-hmm. have to go to school. Like, he's yeah. clearly an asshole. Dad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely the villain of the story. Yeah, um, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. So <laughs> Henry is magnetic to women from a, well, girls at this point, from a very young age. Um, what in the fuck is happening? I know. It's really weird. It's weird. And this is, for the quotes about, you know, girls really liking him at this age come from his father. But like, this also happens when he's in his 40s and the Secretary of State. What? So I'm going to say his father's probably telling the truth. That's, um, <sighs> I mean, at no point have I seen any version of Henry Kissinger where you're like, man, I mean, it is that weird. Is that got memory hold because yeah. there, were new, there were New York Times stories I mean, about how much women now, like Henry Kissinger. Because he <laughs> looks like a lump of clay you could mold yeah. into anything, potentially. He that never would be looked good. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But I, it's, it's weird. I mean, yeah, he's the guy, like, yeah. We'll talk about some of the things he said about okay. sexuality later. Um, I know you're all Ew. getting real excited for that episode. Yeah, um, that's gonna be worse than Cambodia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at one point, one of his friends was actually ordered not to hang out with him because he had quote earned a reputation as a skirt chaser. And this is like when he's nine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> early little little uh, henry come rocket kissinger <laughs> for, first time i i sex was not <laughs> so you know like at this point he's rebelling against the family religion he's hanging out with girls he's playing a hell of a lot of soccer um which seems like a decent childhood but obviously you know the nazis so in the mid-20s mm. the german nation goes on strike against some shit france was doing versailles stuff we don't need to get into it inflation goes crazy right this is the wheelbarrows full of cash time um this hurts the kissinger family badly because if you're like a if you're a private laborer if you're working for a private company you can generally like strike and organize to get your salary adjusted to like deal with inflation somewhat like it's still bad but it's less bad right. if you're a public servant you don't get shit your salary stays the same while inflation jumps up. So this is really a disaster for the Kissinger family. And of course, economic trouble coincides with a constant acceleration of far-right violence. Later as an adult, Kissinger would note without emotion that he was somewhat regularly chased through the streets and beaten up by Nazi thugs as a child. Um, That's tough. Yeah, that's Uh, tough. uh, No punchlines. No, no punchlines, but there is something weird about that because he's talked about this a few times, but every time he talks about this, it is so that he can emphatically state that this part of his life had no impact on him. (laughs) Yeah, it's really weird. It's very strange. Literal Um, impact of fists had no impact upon him. Yeah. Yeah. In 1958, he declared, quote, my life in Firth seems to have passed without leaving any deeper impressions. Well, you don't get to say that, by the way. Yeah, I I feel like you don't. Like, I feel like you don't. (laughs) I feel like Um, I said that to a shrink once about my parents' divorce and then wept. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. Um, I mean, what's this? What's this fluid yeah. coming out of me? And it's like, yeah, in 1974, when discussing the times he was beaten in the streets by Nazis, he insisted to a reporter, "quote That part of my childhood was not a key to anything. I was not consciously unhappy. I was not acutely aware of what was going on. For children, these things are not that serious. It is what? fashionable now to explain everything what? psychoanalytically. But let me tell you, the political persecutions of my childhood are not what control my life, which is really <laughs> interesting, just, right?" Just what and the so, fuck? I so, know, right? Like, I'm sure the reporter's I, like, uh, I'm ready to ask follow-ups whenever he stops talking. Yeah, like, anyway, you're not, you're not supposed to remember from before 10. Anyway. I mean, 
I went yeah. numb. That's how I can kill. I went numb at nine. I don't feel anything. It is. It's like, you know, I got assaulted by a Nazi when I was 33 and it left a mark. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, any but any it, time, it, just growing up in that environment without being assaulted is going to yeah. leave psychological damage. Yeah. If your parents being had assaulted? kept you completely safe from street violence, it would it couldn't not. Yeah. And it's like, Henry, this is the only time I'm going to speak sympathetically to you, but it's fine if being beaten by Nazis as a child left a mark on you. It's the only time you want to Matt Damon him with your Robin Williams arm. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's okay, man. It's okay, bud. It happened. Um, It's interesting. The the ways he explains why this didn't leave any mark on him are very interesting. And I want to quote from Henry Kissinger in 2004 now. I experienced the impact of Nazism, and it was very unpleasant, but it did not interfere in my friendship with Jewish people of my age so that I did not find it traumatic. I have resisted the psychiatric explanations, which argue that I developed a passion for order over justice and that I translated it into profound interpretations of the international system. I wasn't concerned with the international system. I was concerned with the standing of the football team of the town in which I lived. Mm-hmm. Which, like, yeah, you can't do both. You can't pay attention yeah, to yeah, soccer. Yeah, look, and... Obviously, <laughs> as, as a, no one thinks, Henry, that as an eight year old you were like well this is going to impact the way that i believe state power should be used when i'm secretary of state in several decades just like if you have a car accident as a kid you're not thinking well this is going to make me unable to let other people touch me when i'm 33 right you know yeah. like I'll, yeah. I'll hate i'll hate freeway merging <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like obviously man and I, I don't know like there's a degree to which in in terms of this is the period in which you can be sympathetic to him, I do think there's probably something to be said that if you have this childhood, maybe you don't want to give the Nazis anything. You know, even the con- that like this left an impact on me, right? Because like fuck them, I don't want to say that it had an influence on me, which I well, I, I get. No, having grown up in a traumatic, you know, sort of childhood, you you can shut it down and tell yourself that you're fine. Like you, he he, the way he survived it was to to shut his emotions down yeah. a little bit and tell him self that he was fine when it actually yeah. it is by far probably the most traumatic yeah. thing that ever, and, and created a fucking monster because he didn't get any psychological help. I'm a yeah. monster like if, naturally. It is not nature just, versus nurture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have killed just as many people if I it weren't for the Nazis. I would have been a despicable piece of shit either way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge my family. <laughs> so, as the 20s roll to an end, the political situation in the Weimar Republic gets correspondingly more dire. In 1925, during a Nazi rally in Firth, Hitler himself had called it the Citadel of the Jews. Uh, the local response at that point in 25 is overwhelmingly negative. And in 1927, only 200 people in Firth were members of the Nazi party. Hitler visited the city again in 1928 to little effect. The party just got 6.6% of the vote in local elections that year. But the Great Depression rescues, at the end of the 20s, rescues the Nazis' flagging poll numbers. As Firth's economy collapses, people grow more willing to listen to the fascists. In the 1930 elections, Nazis surged from 2.6% of the vote nationwide to 18.3%. In Firth, they won 23.6% of the vote, which is four times better than they'd done two years earlier, and very frightening for a lot of relevant reasons to today. Yes. yeah. Uh, Nazi electoral successes continue to pace the next year, and by 1933, more than 22,000 Firthers were Nazi voters. I want to quote from Niall Ferguson's book again. 
On April 9th, 1932, 15 SA men were set upon by Iron Front members as they left the pro-Nazi Yellow Lion pub. Two months later, Nazi supporter Fritz Reingruber was beaten up for being a swastikist. The same fate befell another Nazi caught selling the NSDAP newspaper, the Volkische Beobachter. The police watched helplessly on the evening of July 30th as a mob threw potatoes and stones at a Nazi motorcade going from the Firth Airport to the Nuremberg Stadium. The car carrying Hitler himself was among the vehicles. But just a year after Hitler's car gets pelted, after the Nazis begin to consolidate power, when Hitler's the chancellor, the mood is very different. On March 3rd, there's another torch-lit parade by the Nazis through Firth, and on the evening of March 9th, a crowd of between 10 and 12,000 peoples gathers outside one of the the bars there to watch the raising of the red Nazi flag. Um, So, you know... It it gets bad pretty fast. Um, can I can I just flag the person who brought the potatoes to the rock throwing event? <laughs> yeah, I feel like he turned first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're doing rocks. Oh, oh, I mis- oh, that was a drawing of a rock. Those look like potatoes, Al. Good lord. You know what? I'm gonna say it right now. If that guy had brought rocks, he might have killed Hitler. We could have yeah, we could have avoided. Talk it. About That's the, butterfly the guy. Effect That's right the there. guy. Yeah. <laughs> For want of a rock, World yeah. War II happened. Oh, did you yeah. guys see my potato hit that car? It really smushed it. It looked mashed. <laughs> Uh, I do love the idea that he also boiled it before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to look weird. <laughs> so Louis Kissinger lost his job teaching once the Nazis came to power. Henry, again, who'd never gotten along with his dad, watches his father collapse into what biographer Thomas Allen Schwartz describes as a, quote, state of immobility and psychological depression. Louis withdrew into his study, according to Henry's brother Walter, while the world outside veered closer to nightmare. In his book Henry Kissinger and American Power, Schwartz writes, Kissinger and his brother saw the progressive segregation, isolation, and humiliation the Jews of Firth experienced. Even their attempt to watch soccer games came with the risk of their being beaten by young Nazi thugs. The world of Heinz's childhood rapidly collapsed, and his parents and the older generation of Firth's Jews could not protect their young from the hatred around them. After the passage of the Nuremberg Laws in 1935, Kissinger's mother began to look for a way to leave Germany. A cousin in the United States was willing to provide the financial support that would allow the Kissingers to immigrate. In August and 1938, after a last visit with Paula's elderly parents in Lüderschausen, where Heinz saw his father cry for the first time, the family headed to New York. Only three months later, during Kristallnacht, the synagogue in Firth, like hundreds of others throughout Germany, burned to the ground in a night of orchestrated violence. Three so, months. Yeah, I mean, wow. that is crazy. When Henry leaves Firth, there are 2,000 Jews in the Jewish community. At the end of World War II, there are 40. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and three months is so, I mean, that is... Barely. I mean, barely. really. That's like... Yeah. Ugh. They stay as late as they possibly can. Right, yeah. Um, at least 13 members of Kissinger's family would perish in the Holocaust. Obviously, it being what it is, I don't know that you can... It's easy. It's not super easy to get exact numbers. But, like, his family is as devastated as you would expect of a German-Jewish family. And he does acknowledge for the for the first time he likes admits that like some part of this had an influence on him. It was moving away from Germany and like going across the world to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, and this is, I think, him being somewhat honest, that the deepest impact of all this was, quote, all the things that had seemed secure and stable collapsed. And many of the people that once had that one had considered the steady examples suddenly were thrown into enormous turmoil themselves and into fantastic insecurities. 
people will say, we'll talk about this later. He's very much an order obsessed guy. And like, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> like I get yeah. where that came from, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's very common for that happened in, you know, Chile and yeah. other places where right. it, it all falls apart into authoritarianism. They, there's a lot of people who are like, I just want it to be the same. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I, I, you, you hear that all the time here too. I mean, not, yeah. not like that. Obviously mm-hmm. it's far, it was far more dire, but there are a lot of people I know who keep saying that shit here, who keep being like, I just want it to go back to normal. And you're just like that ship has fucking sailed that is not you know yeah it never does it never can but we all do it like even the the kind of like obsession with 90s nostalgia is evidence of that and not because the 90s were like a perfect time but because like yeah you didn't you weren't aware of how fucked like like henry like your dad hadn't collapsed into like an an unable to handle himself you're just like Like, biscuits too aggressive and now you're like oh my god we don't have money yeah. 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 <laughs> you went from, oh my gosh, you know, um, uh, the OJ Simpson trial, what a mess, to, well, now a plague has killed a million people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's... Is there a better? <laughs> oh, give me that time capsule. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so um, funny the parallels because I'm, I literally am writing a dollop right now and, and the guy turns into an authoritarian and his dad, shut himself in his house and yep. isolated it's it's so weird how these things i mean have shit parallels. if you i mean just to continue off of that dave hitler's dad dies when he's a little kid plunges yeah. the family finances and, and situation into insecurity and chaos yeah yeah you yeah it's it when when something that seemed stable from your early childhood collapses perhaps it has an influence oh my god <laughs> yes maybe yeah, yeah. Despite what um, Kissinger said. Despite what Kissinger <laughs> said. But you know what Henry Kissinger loves? Hmm. The products and services that support this oh podcast. Oh, God, Robert, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, look, Henry is one of the few VIPs on <laughs> Island where you can hunt children. Anytime he wants, he gets a free three-bedroom apartment on the child-hunting island, Sophie. That yeah, because for some fucking reason, he is still alive. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, let's be honest here. This is essentially his eulogy, because when we finish this podcast and it's published, Kissinger should die. It's possible I'm planning a dark occult ritual using uh, <laughs> my this own like blood a f- and a candle I bought in Mexico to deal. It, like, is, I mean, it's, like it's, it's, I'm not going to say I'm not doing it. You know? <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a voodoo doll podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, here's, here's some ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? 
It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Ah, oh, we're back. Have you guys gone to the island where you can hunt little kids for sport? Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. also fresh. It's very, yeah, the brisket. Didn't expect it to be that fresh. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, so Kissinger today has, I, <laughs> Sophie's just shaking her head. <laughs> Kissinger today has idyllic recollections of his early years in the United States. He often talks about walking down the streets of his new neighborhood, seeing a group of boys walking towards him and crossing the street because he's, you know, he's afraid he's going to get beaten. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and then he would realize like, oh, that doesn't happen here. Which obviously I it, it did in I other parts of the I should start beating US, those boys. Yeah. They're just yeah. wearing brown shirts because they like brown. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Henry, this is a country where some people who wear brown aren't Nazis. Some of them are. Some, some, <laughs> some of them are, Henry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, different did not mean easy, though. The Kissingers spent their first years in a crowded Bronx apartment living with family. Lewis got sick and even more depressed. Paula had to take control of the family and handle shit. She became a caterer and started a business that became the family's lifeline. The neighborhood they lived in was dominated by Orthodox Jewish families with a familiar background. A lot of them were from other parts of Germany. And so the Kissingers benefited from the help of several community organizations in getting back on their feet. He, he, he benefits a lot from the fact that, you know, there's not really a government support network, but the pe- other Jewish refugees who have come over from Europe um, have built support networks to make it easier for new folks coming right. in. Um, Henry's teen years were a mix of school and synagogue. He failed his first driving test, but excelled at soccer, and he grew to admire many aspects of his new home, including, quote, American technology, the American tempo of work, and American freedom, 
which I might say is in direct opposition to the American tempo of work, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Kissinger was frustrated to the ca- though by the casual approach to life that he saw in his new peers. Um, he thought they were superficial. He wrote at the time that, quote, no youth my age has any kind of spiritual problem that he seriously concerns himself with, which, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, Henry. All right, Hank. Fair. I, I like if you come over from Nazi Germany yeah. and you're like, people here seem carefree and shallow. And it's your like, school yeah, like, probably. Like, <laughs> yeah. And your schooling was basically like some old dude being like, you yeah. didn't read these right. You know, like mm-hmm. you're going to be like, geez, these guys are really not focused on what matters. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, think I, maybe I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to be too critical, but New York could use a little bit of Nazism. You know what I mean? It's a little <laughs> loose. Yeah, good lord! <laughs> so, because of all of this, um, this is this is why one of his biographers, Schwartz, describes young Henry as socially inept. He's not not great at talking to. He's not great at dealing with his new peers. He did start dating again, though. Uh, first, a girl who was a refugee from nearby Nuremberg, but most of his focus was on schoolwork and soccer. Kissinger graduated George Washington High School and started at the City College of New York. He took classes at night so he could work during the day at a brush cleaning factory some of his cousins owned. These brushes are filthy, boys. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) They still do this shit. It's the most amazing, like, old-timey job ever. uh, I mean, it's basically like, all I can picture is just like the jobs are either, like, pressing sheets or washing brushes. (laughs) These brushes are not going to clean themselves, gentlemen. How many times do I have to tell you? Well, and the corollary is some mom being like, Billy, you didn't take your sister's brushes to the cleaning shop. <laughs> what is she going to do now? <laughs> uh, it's very funny. Um, everything old timey is funny. People are going to think this in the future about, I don't know, having water. So at this point, <laughs> Henry's ambition in life was to get, quote, a nice job, likely in accounting. One biographer noted, quote, nothing that happened to Kissinger during those years encouraged him to read more widely. His historical interests were as underdeveloped when he was 20 as when he arrived in New York as a boy of 15, which is the first normal thing about him that like, yeah, dude, he's, he's, you know, whatever, like he's he's a kid. Yeah. We're about to get in the studio 54 years, I feel like. Yes. (laughs) So World War II happens, um, starts for the United States, at least. It started elsewhere a bit earlier. Um, But for for the U.S. All right, we'll do it. (laughs) When Henry is 21, um, he did not initially feel called to volunteer for service. But when he got his draft notice in 1943, he complied and joined the roughly 16 million Americans who became soldiers during this period. And if it weren't for this, Henry Kissinger probably never would have been a figure of historical importance. Again, he just kind of wanted to be an accountant. But being drafted successfully disrupted his plans for a quiet, boring life and thrust him into the world. That says it all. Yeah. It's not. Uh, maybe don't draft this guy. Right? Maybe yeah, or don't draft him. Just right, count right now, you could be like, you don't. Uh, I did not actually see your Venmo this year, so uh, it's hard for me to process. <laughs> yeah, there's a future where he just has really strong opinions on W2s. Uh, yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, you know, we, we you put yourself one. as 1099, but I feel like it was actually more like W4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Or he does like a Bernie Madoff thing, but either way, it's a much better future yeah, than the one yeah, we got. Yeah. We'll take yeah. the Madoff ending for him for sure. <laughs> yeah, <It's> fine. Um, <laughs> so we have letters that Henry sent to his brother Walter during training. He re- he purported to like the quote middle Americans he met there, but warned his sibling, "Don't become too friendly with the scum you invariably meet there." Well, hello. <laughs> 
Hello. So he did pick up. He did pick up a little something from the Nazis. It <laughs> he out. did. He's a little bit right. Yeah. Um, he also he also advised against having sex with the quote filthy syphilis infected camp followers, which is too specific to have been random. I think yeah. Henry Kissinger had a bad experience with the <laughs> with the camp followers. I mean, the idea that yeah, look, everyone at camp has syphilis. <laughs> it's all about I don't know and having why. your nose fall every, off. Every girl I fucked had syphilis. Uh, I fucked Maybe. one girl got syphilis. Every one of them has it. <laughs> that's why they I have am so patient many... zero of the syphilis yes, epidemic. That's right. Yes, that's why it's so you're surrounded by counselors. <laughs> So the army administered a series of tests, which Kissinger excelled at, and he earned entrance into a special training program that sent particularly bright soldiers to college. He received his American citizenship in 1943 while he was at Lafayette College in Pennsylvania. The program lasted just six months, and Henry, fin er, and Henry finished 12 engineering classes. During his off hours, he would hitchhike home and see his girlfriend. He was a brilliant student, recognized by his roommates as the, quote, brainiest of a very intelligent class. One classmate recalled, he didn't read books. He ate them with his eyes, his fingers, and with his squirming in the chair or bed, yeah. and with his mumbling criticism. Um, no, Jesus you, no, Christ, could that's... Use more salt if I'm being picky, <laughs> but other than that, it's really good. He sounds like a book. <laughs> it is a really weird way to describe it, dude. It's, it's, it's kind of what... what <laughs> the way he looks now is like he eats books. Yeah. And, um, yeah everyone I do everyone want... had like a, a visual, like, ooh, mm -hmm. reaction yeah. to, that, yeah. to yeah. that line. Like, ooh, cringe. I, I now kind yeah. of want the story of that classmate like yeah <laughs> what caused you to describe yeah. a dude reading books that uh, way well in my college uh, i ate analogies i just would just just devour them mm -hmm. <laughs> i'd eat them like a synonym you know <laughs> Um, his professors would use Henry to explain complicated concepts to the other soldiers, and for a brief period wow. of time, he had status and respect, which he'd begun to crave as a young man. His time uh, in this program was cut short because, you know, D-Day, we, we decide America's like, we're going to do us a, a Normandy landing. And the army's like, well, we probably don't need smart people for that. So let's pull yeah. these kids out of the class and train wow. them how to get shot by hey, MG-42s. Hey, guys, we actually want to talk to you over here about something totally different. If you guys, no, no, not you, not you, Chad. You stay right there, Chad. Talk about these other guys. Thank you. Good luck. So Henry and his classmates get sent back to basic training where the drill sergeants, according to Henry, took glee in tormenting the college kids, um, which I don't know, probably true. Uh, yeah. While he was preparing to go overseas, and it, um, this is what my grandpa was doing in World War II, and I hope he bullied Henry Kissinger. Oh, I, yes. I, I hope my grandpa got a chance to give Henry Kissinger some shit. Fingers hey, crossed, he did. right? He did. <laughs> I, I, Thank you. He did. He did. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so while he was preparing to go overseas, uh, his biographer Schwartz writes, Even in the misery of Camp Claiborne, however, Kissinger stood out, selected by his commanders to provide soldiers with a weekly briefing on war news. Although he did the job well, Kissinger was more impressed with another older German refugee in an American uniform, Fritz Kramer, who came to Camp Claiborne in May 1944 to speak about the meaning of war. After Kramer's impassioned talk, Kissinger wrote him a note. Dear Private Kramer, I heard you, you like speak me? yesterday. Check yes. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he literally, like, it's like, I, I liked what you had to say. Can I help you somehow? Oh, wow. Like, it's, it's literally what the note is, Gary. <laughs> Check yes on notebooks. 
Yeah. Um, Kramer responded almost immediately to the simple fan letter, returning a few days later to seek Kissinger out for conversation and dinner, insisting they speak in German, not English. The Lutheran Kramer later said that he was taken with this, quote, little Jewish refugee he had met who, he believed, as yet knows nothing, but already he understands everything. Wow. That's an interesting way to describe him. I mean, it sounds like a guy who eats books. Yeah. (laughs) And this guy, Kramer is, um, Kramer is a Prussian. Which I, I don't know the degree to which oh. that, that means anything to a lot of people. The Prussians, so there was most of the resistance to the Nazis was from the left. Once the Nazis got into power, the resistance to the Nazis that meant anything was Prussian. Not because they were good dudes, but because they were way too conservative for Hitler. They were like, well, we want to fight on takeover all of Europe, but like with a Kaiser who has royal blood, not this like gross little corporal and stuff. Oh, and it's God. complicated because like a lot of those Prussians got murdered by the Nazis. And as a general rule, your sympathy is with the people who get murdered by the Nazis. But it's also like, yeah, They're... you got murdered by the Nazis for the wrong reasons. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. They, they were like, we have one small note, but everything else is working great for us. They were the guys who were like, Hitler's bad because he's not going to win the war against Russia. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this guy, Fritz Kramer, would be, in Henry's words, quote, the greatest single influence on my formative years. Since Fritz was a Prussian conservative, so for an idea of how fucking German Fritz Kramer is, he wears a monocle to make his weak eye work harder. To make his weak eye work better. Oh my God. (laughs) I am the craziest asshole ever. (laughs) Wow. What the Uh. fuck? And, you know, Fritz hated the Nazis, which good, good. He also hated the communists, which you have to think there was some 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 sus stuff there. Yeah. Um, you know, communists is a mixed bag like everybody, but I don't think he's very nuanced about it. Schwartz also credits Fritz with expressing, quote, a respect for international law uh, and emphasis on the moral basis of civilization. And mm. what Fritz Kramer means by the moral basis of civilization is not the same as what I think maybe you or I might mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, now that, yeah, I, I think the most important influence Kramer had was he's, Kramer is very conservative and he, Henry is kind of a natural conservative and Kramer really reinforces this feeling in Henry, which is expressed by a growing sort of revulsion in Kissinger towards any ideas outside of the political median, Right. Um, which you get why he has a tendency towards this. If your life, if your childhood is this like battle of extremes in your hometown, mm-hmm. I get why you would kind of veer towards the middle. And this guy Kramer really turns that up to 11 in him. One write up in the New Yorker notes, quote, he warned Kissinger not to emulate cleverling intellectuals and their bloodless cost benefit analyses. Believing Kissinger to be musically attuned to history, he told him, only if you do not calculate will you really have the freedom which distinguishes you from the little people. Ugh. So that's wow. bad. So that's going to go really bad. I mean, it, you really are like, I mean, this is his Morpheus. We're just starting yeah. to be like, okay, this is. Yeah. And by the way, have you thought about maybe just losing the glasses and just going with the wand? That is so mm-hmm. much like <laughs> uh, punish your weak eye. You must punish the weak even when it comes to your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He has found a kid who like has a problematic history of starting fires and yeah. is now teaching him how to build a fertilizer bomb. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's a bad influence. Yeah. Yeah. It matches a so-so, but have you ever seen a Zippo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are great. Yeah. 
<laughs> so Kissinger finishes training and is deployed with the 84th Infantry Division as it moves towards Nazi Europe. Um, his division sees a decent amount of combat. He does not. He's a back ranker. He handles administrative and management tasks. Um, and he finds the power and authority he gets through his time in the service intoxicating. Though he never, again, he doesn't fight directly. He does earn a bronze star for valor because he helps catch and take out a Gestapo sleeper cell, primarily mm. due to the fact that like he's just you know a very observant dude. Um, in 1945, he participates in the liberation of a concentration camp, Alem, um, A-H-L-E-M. I'm not 100% sure on how to pronounce it. Um, one prisoner at the camp remembered him as the young American who announced, you are free. For Kissinger, the overwhelming memory of this experience was seeing inmates he described as being barely recognizable as humans and feeling the instinct to feed them before learning that some were so starved that solid food would kill them. Ugh. Shortly yeah. thereafter, yeah, I mean... One thing uh, you got to say, he he does yeah. not like, he's not a sheltered well, upbringing. You and know? you, I mean, like if you would yeah. be like, oh, maybe that could be the influence that made him be like, oh, you know, you can, there's, there's good. You can provide, like provide yeah. the people who are tortured and starved some, you know, you, help. Yeah. You, you could take away from this, like, my God, war is evil and we should do everything we can yeah, to right, prevent right. it. As opposed <laughs> yeah. to, yeah, baby. Yeah. Well, let's see how it plays out, Dave. Settle yeah. down. <laughs> This is the six part behind the bastards yeah. episode about yeah. a cool dude who does yeah. nice things. Yeah. <laughs> I just brought you guys here to talk about a chill guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so shortly after liberating this concentration camp, Kissinger writes an essay on his experience where he asks, quote, who was lucky? The man who draws circles in the sand and mumbles, I am free or the bones that are interred in the hillside. He concludes from the experience that this is humanity in the 20th century. So, uh, I mean, an understandably bleak take from liberating a concentration yeah, camp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know what is a bad time to move to an ad plug? <laughs> I, I didn't think you were going to be brave enough to do this, but fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Yeah. You know what makes me hungry? Uh, uh. (laughs) probably shouldn't go too far down that road (laughs) let the ads do the talking (laughs) let the ads do the talking the ads are going to come and win the same way the soviet union did by throwing wave after wave of men into nazi trenches anyway yeah, I think we lost yep. it. We had it for a minute. We everybody. had it for we a right second there. <laughs> I took it too far. We you know, right I took it there. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> the evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Oh, we're back. So when the war ends, World War II, you know, that is, uh, Sergeant Henry Kissinger finds himself as, quote, the absolute ruler of a small village named Binsheim. Uh, he enjoys this experience. He oh, really God. starts to like having power. Yeah, you, one thing that we're getting here is that he, he, he adores having power over people. Yeah. He really likes it. Uh, in his letters, he celebrates repeatedly to his family that he has, quote, absolute authority to arrest people. Um, <laughs> Jesus and it's it, this is I'm a this baby is, Kaiser. <laughs> this <laughs> is problematic because of what he does later. I will say, if you are a Jewish kid who has to flee Germany and then you come back and get made like the the military head of a town that's full of former Nazis, I get reveling in it a little bit. You know, yeah. well, <laughs> like, I yeah. for me, I'm having beheading Tuesdays if that's yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, huh. So again, he's not because of what he does later. This is unsettling, but like it's understandable in the moment. Yeah, um, he, yeah. He appropriates a luxury home and a fancy car, both of which had to have belonged to some Nazi. Which is sure, ex- like it's what you do, right? Yeah, fine. Uh, he gets a butler. He he brags back to his family that a he's Nazi got a butler. butler. A fucking Nazi butler. I Absolutely, that's butler what you do. Arrested for not giving me butter. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is obvious. Now. That said, he's also, to his credit, really aware of not wanting the Germans in town to identify this guy who is absolute ruler as being Jewish. I think because he doesn't want it to make things a problems for people who's Jewish people who stay behind in Germany. He makes other soldiers refer to him as Mr. Henry rather than by his last name. Right. Uh, he's conscious. He doesn't want them to think, quote, that the Jews were coming back to take revenge. Um, and he had a reputation in general as being more objective as a as a, a ruler in this kind of period than most Jewish veterans in similar positions. In general, Henry counseled accommodation and rapprochement, with one exception: communists. 
No, As the Civil you. War. Of, yeah. of course. Right. God, you fucking asshole. I know, right? I we had this, like, understandable period. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. Uh, I don't want to upset mm-hmm. the Nazis, but these commies. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And that's literally what happens. So the Cold War, you know, early stages in 1946. But already in that period, Kissinger advocates strict surveillance of German civilians for left-wing sympathies. Oh, and my God. That they... yeah, I know. And why? <laughs> yeah, and what? The fucking like, Nazis just Dude, thing. like it's the conservatives. You know, uh, yeah, the left is yeah. due. The left is due. <laughs> he doesn't want them. He also wants to ban communists from teaching at the local schools. Which again, Jesus it's like what? Christ. What the fuck? How yeah. is he? I mean, he he went straight Nazi all of a sudden. Now, <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely. Well, let's say fascist. Let's let's say fascist. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah fascist. Now he's a yeah, fascist. He he does a bit. He does a bit. Oh, Mr. Um, Henry. He starts dating a Gentile German girl during this period because again he's not very religious um his letters home to his parents though because they don't like this at all um they're they're like you're losing your your faith and henry gets very combative with them he sees them as irrational writing quote to me there is not only right or wrong but many shades in between the real tragedies in life are not choices between right and wrong real difficulties bear difficulties of the soul provoking agonies which you and your world of black and white can't begin to comprehend how's the dog how's the dog (laughs) Love you, mom. Love you, mom. Also, how's Scruffs? Is Scruffs good? Is his tail better? <laughs> and his parents, oh. his parents have the reaction we all did, where they're like, "Hey, hey. how are you? How, hey, it, bud. It seems like the war hey. may have. It seems Why like this war may Henry? have had an effect on yeah. you. Right? Like, I've <laughs> I've said this ever since you met the monocle guy, but you're really intense. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe all of the things you've seen have had an impact on you. Maybe, and Henry responds to this by getting enraged and saying not oh, everybody came out of this war as a psycho neurotic. Oh, that shows him. That'll teach him that. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's exactly, that's, that's the exact right reaction of a non-psycho neurotic. <laughs> when you're, when you're screaming, I'm not a psycho neurotic in letters, you're a psycho neurotic. Yeah. I got Especially syphilis if, from girl in camp. <laughs> if all they're saying is like, Hey Henry, do you think maybe seeing a concentration camp has left some mental scars that you need to like heal from. Hey, maybe like, I should drown that in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, buddy. All right, pal. We're just, okay, we're, just ta- we're just writing letters here, buddy. We're just writing and some it, letters. That's all we're it's, doing. It's one of those things. It, this is a period of time, obviously like every, like one of the things that causes what happens later in American history is that 16 million Americans go to war and a bunch of them get traumatized and they come back to a world where like their dad was always like, if you talk about your feelings, I'm going to hit you. Yeah. Henry's family doesn't seem to be like that. His parents are like, hey, do you want to talk about your feelings? And he's like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Obviously, obviously, the fact that this is a time in which like men don't fucking do therapy does have an impact on it. But I think his family's probably more understanding than most. Well, he also has no I mean, even now he has no acknowledgement of like his trauma. So he yeah. probably even in, in the actual moment, I mean, you're probably yeah. even more defensive, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, in 1947, Kissinger finally decides to leave Germany for the second time. On Fritz Kramer's advice, he applies he applies late to Harvard, and he was accepted, winning one of the two national scholarships the school gave New Yorkers each year. Wow. Now, Chapo um, and Trap House did a tournament of evil people from Harvard. It's awful. And, yeah. and uh, Kissinger won. So that's yeah. cool. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> oh, boy. The Ivy League. Yeah. Little good at producing bad people. Um, yeah. 
maybe we should look into that one. So <laughs> one of his classmates recalls, and he obviously he does like it's Henry Kissinger. He's very good at school. Um, one of his classmates recalls that he quote worked harder and studied more than anybody else on campus. He his ate studies- school. He ate school. <laughs> Couldn't stop him from shoving pencils in his he mouth. He ate the campus like Godzilla would have. He nearly died. <laughs> he almost died from lead. <laughs> um, his studies so absorbed him that he ignored the people around him. He made, quote, no lasting friendships with other students. He seemed scarcely aware of the extraordinary range of people gathered around him. Ugh. So Kissinger's ideology evolved along the lines Kramer had started him off on. He agreed with Goethe, I believe is the, is the name of the German philosopher, that if he, quote, had to choose between justice and disorder on the one hand and injustice and order on the other... I would always choose the latter. So, well, there we go. He's, he's made his choice. That's um, yeah. very telling. Like yeah. we we know we know we, we yeah, get, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry. Yeah. It's just nice to know where like around the time. Like, okay, so he was pretty defined. Okay, yeah. so Henry, you know some other people who thought that order was more important than justice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they had an impact on your childhood. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Yeah, um, right. Uh, but it's, you it's know, just, it's, it's just such it's a, how trauma a, works too. It's yeah. a strange thing that he. It's so conscious, like he, yeah. he's so completely aware of it. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like a psychopath. He might be. I mean, I, I think if you're, uh, we, I, I try not to do too much like the psychoanalyzing people, but like fucking maybe, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah. psychopaths are very good at the stuff you talked about, winning yeah. people over in the room. Um, yeah. You know, ladies, man, like there is a, they, they learn how to be a human and then they sort of. And a lot of them yeah. got syphilis at camp. And a lot of yeah. them get syphilis at camp, like Henry yeah. Kissinger. Yeah. Well, Sophie, can we let's green light some Henry Kiss some some t-shirts that are just Henry Kissinger with his face riding off from syphilis. People are gonna want to wear those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. just well, he's making, he's making the kissy li- kissy lips and his lips are falling off. <laughs> yes. Would you, would you like a Kissinger? Uh, Let me French Kissinger you. Yeah. <laughs> so he meets his second mentor at Harvard. Henry Kissinger has a lot of mentors, and this is maybe a lesson to never mentor anybody. Um, You never know. They might become (laughs) Henry Kissinger. Don't teach people things. Sabotage them at every step, right? (laughs) Next time you drive past a kindergarten, throw them a textbook that's all lies, you know? Just... (laughs) Slow him down. Yeah. <laughs> so his second mentor is this guy, William Yandel Elliott. Uh, and Elliott has, is, is a professor at Harvard. He's also like very politically connected. He had advised several U.S. presidents on international matters. Uh, and Kissinger was drawn to this guy because not only is he a respected educator, but he's really well connected to people with power. Um, and Elliot, one of the things that like he is famous for being a big advocate of is what is what's called realpolitik, um, as embodied by, you know, the, and particularly the guys that Kissinger grows up admiring and that Elliot, you know, helps teach him to admire. I'm in like Clausewitz and Bismarck. These 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 guys who are like Bismarck is the dude who makes Germany. Right. We have it. We get a Germany because Bismarck orchestrates over a period of, of like I think it's decades Gradually, he he welds all these different German principalities and kingships together and then helps to orchestrate this war, which out of which emerges Germany. Like, that's the kind of dude that Otto von Bismarck is. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of the master of the kind of politics that Kissinger comes to respect. And he Kissinger calls Clausewitz and Bismarck philosophers of history. That's how he sees this guy, wow. these guys, um, which is 
not really what I would call Otto von Bismarck. Like no. he's very good at what he does, obviously. Um, but but not I wouldn't call him a philosopher. No. Um, I, I want to quote now from the book Kissinger's Shadow by Greg Grandin. From these thinkers, Kissinger cobbled together his own view of how history operated. It was not a story of liberal progress or of class consciousness or of cycles of history or of cycles of birth, maturity, and decline. Rather, it was a series of meaningless incidents, fleetingly given shape by the application of human will. As a young infantryman, Kissinger had learned that victors ransacked history for analogies to gild their triumphs, while the vanquished sought out historical causes of their misfortune. So, yeah, 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 you know, stuff, it's it's maybe not. Yeah, yeah, you can think about that however you want. So uh, a lot of folks who analyze the uh, the Kissinger in this period sees on one sentence in Kissinger's undergraduate thesis, and his thesis is titled The Meaning of History. Oh, that boy. That kind of explains a lot of what comes to be going down. What uh, a in bold his paper. <laughs> it is, right? I mean, honestly. He's not a dude who makes, like, little leaps. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do we love? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the line. The realm of freedom and necessity cannot be reconciled except by an inward experience, which is, you Wait, know, read it, read it again. The, the realm of freedom and necessity cannot be reconciled except by an inward experience. Wow. And this is this is a like a heavily influenced by French French existentialism. His thesis uh, cites right. Jean Paul Sartre a lot, and both Sartre and Kissinger think that morality. Is, is not an inward thing, it's determined by actions, which is not an unreasonable thing to believe, right? That like what matters is what you do, you know? Right. There's that line from the Bible, you're not damned by what goes into your head, but like what, you know, comes out, right? Like that's not an unreasonable thing to believe. Sartre, um, he believes that like action creates the possibility of intellectual, individual and collective responsibility, right? That morality is determined by action, but that our actions create this possibility of like individual and collective moral responsibility for things. Kissinger does not come to that conclusion. Kissinger believes that morality is determined by action, but he also thinks that like you moral indeterminacy is a condition of human freedom. It's this idea that you mm. can't be bound by morality and well, be good. free. If well, you want to freely act, you have to be able to act above morality, oh, right? My Lord. Well, that's yeah. That, that's, so that's that's just giving yourself an excuse to do heinous acts. That's yeah, I mean, a is. lot of his intellectual development is him. And, uh, you know, also a lot of this is obviously all of this. One of the things that you have to account for is all of this analysis of like his development intellectually comes after he does all the horrible things. Like, so sure. Uh, yeah, and including helps. from him and from like right. the people who are sources who are saying this is what he was like as a kid. There is that degree of biasing, right? Like that this is after he is the person that he is, because if he had gone on to like just be a professor, nobody would have given a shit about yeah. what Henry Kissinger believed. Yeah, if the accountant said yeah. that, we'd be like, yeah, look, just, would you, what do I owe? Yeah, yeah, tell me what the IRS gets, man. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't need another lecture on this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Kissinger's, the fact that he becomes so kind of, moral relativism is the word I've used. I don't even know if that's right, but like this idea that like, freedom and morality are kind of like inherently opposed. This upsets a lot of people around him, including people who are like his big, supporters, um, including that Professor Elliot guy. At his retirement party, Henry Kissinger, Elliot's retirement party, uh, Henry Kissinger and a number of students gather to like bid him farewell. And journalist David Halberstam wrote that Elliot had positive things to say about almost all of his students who had gathered there. But when he reached Kissinger, he said this, Henry, he began, you're brilliant. 
but you're arrogant. In fact, you're the most arrogant man I've ever met. Kissinger became ashen-faced. Mark my words, Elliot continued. Your arrogance is going to get you in real trouble one day. Ugh. Oh, that, my God. That is amazing God. on so many levels. Like, at your retirement party to be like, hey, and you, listen, shitbag, uh, yeah. chill out. <laughs> and then for that yeah. also to be totally incorrect. Like, yeah. you know, I saw this, like, clip of um some some guy in like Atlantic city talking to Trump when Trump is going like, well, what is ma- what makes a native American? And the guy just goes, sir, I'm glad you're never going to get into any real power. And you're like, yeah, no! oh, dude. Oh, dude. Well, and one of the things like this, the professor Elliot is like one of the guys who helps get him his first big gigs and shit. Like he's right. a major bass. And I think this is kind of him belatedly being like, Whoops. Oh no. Whoopsie, <laughs> oopsie, 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 poopsie. <laughs> I'm going to go well, patronize a Cambodian restaurant just to make myself feel a little better. Oh my, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Tipped real well every, when he went to like eat Vietnamese. I don't Vietnamese. even need food. Just give me the tip slip. Don't, I don't even need the food. Just give me the tip slip. I owe you guys. I'm not going to tell you why. There you go. Don't worry about it. Take my take everything. Mm-hmm. Here's my I gotta hang. I got to go. Find, do you know if there's a Bangladeshi restaurant nearby? <laughs> I'm actually hitting a lot of spots tonight and not yeah. eating. I'll be I honest. I got a long list. I'm going to a lot of places. <laughs> no, no, not German. No, not German. No, no, not German. You know what? They're actually fine. They're I don't fine. think I need. Yeah. No. So his thesis. Well, his, Henry, well that, yeah. that thing that, that he says to Kissinger, it. It should be what happens, but our society rewards psychopaths above yeah. anybody oh. else. And so and to be what fair, he th- most societies. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. what he thinks should be is the opposite. What he's talking about is a just world, which isn't what this is. And it's it's one of those things. This is something like that get kind of more into anthropological thinking, but like one of the reasons people will say is like why we have psychopaths is that if you're in a, a band of 70 people who are like hunter gatherers starving through the winter, you, it's it's helpful to have a guy like Henry Kissinger who can say like, well, these these six people are too old and sick and we have to let them die. Otherwise, we'll all starve. Right. That's a situation in which it's good to have a psychopath because you need someone who just doesn't give a shit about certain things. When you have a society of billions that's global, it becomes a problem because yeah. that kind of thinking is not so useful uh, and, and tends to just get millions and millions of people killed. Yeah. Um, it's it's not great. Um, anyway, Henry's thesis is published in 1950 at roughly the same time Harry Truman decides to send troops to Korea and to aid French forces in Vietnam. Professor Elliot told Kissinger that the Korean War was an example of the East, quote, testing the civilization of the West. Yeah, people what? doing their own thing in their own country is a test to us. Yeah. You know? Jesus fucking Like Christ. the Koreans and the Vietnamese having completely their own shit going on as a test of us in the United States. How dare think, you? You know, Ho Chi Minh not wanting to be ruled over by the French is really a test of American it's, uh, power. It's very insulting, huh? I mean, and obviously they see that like the Soviet Union is uh, orchestrating all this and the Soviet Union is involved too, but like it's like, not. They're looking us in the eyes. They've got their own shit going they, on. Dude. They think they are on the same level. How dare they do this? <laughs> so as the U.S. increased its commitments to a growing series of wars in Southeast Asia, Kissinger grew more dedicated to the work of a guy named Oswald Spengler. Spengler's book, The Decline of the West, is not something I am well equipped to describe or explain in detail, but Greg Grandin is, so I'm going to quote from him again. <clears throat> 
Spangler waged a relentless assault on the very idea of reality. He insisted that there existed a higher plane of experience that was inaccessible to rational thought, a plane where instinct and creativity reigned. We have, Spengler thought, hardly yet an inkling of how much in our reputedly objective values and experiences is only disguise, only image and expression. To get behind image and expression, to penetrate perceived material power and interests, and grasp what Spengler called destiny, one needed not information, but intuition, not facts, but hunches, oh, not God. reason, but a soul sense, oh. a world feeling. Often enough, a statesman does not follow, does not know what he is doing, Spengler wrote, but that does not prevent him from following with confidence just the one path that leads to success. Oh, my God. And now does George W. <laughs> Bush crawl out of a pile of goo now? Yes, like, I yes, am yes, for, I mean, this I is... I hate so, us for our freedom. George Bush, like, pops out of Henry's Kissinger's back as a polyp yeah, when he right, reads right. that it's like sentence. The, it's, it's like, like when Dr. Pimple pops It's a two-headed yeah. Rumsfeld Bush-like <laughs> thing, like, We crawling. know where they are. They're in the east, west, north, and south. <laughs> um, Kissinger finds this logic intoxicating, but he uh -huh. did disagree with Spengler about Spengler's primary contention, which is that civilizational decay was inevitable. Spengler argued that civilizations had springs, summers, autumns, and winters, right? that they proceed through kind of like inevitable stages and there's not really any way to stop this procession, right? Um, which is, I think, a pretty reasonable, like, yeah, any right, civilization yeah. is going to have like a life cycle, right? Yep. That's a thing, like, historically you can argue pretty well. Kissinger doesn't believe this. Everything Both dies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, of course, that's actually not what Kissinger uh, Yeah, and of course the man, <laughs> of course the man yeah. who is like living way beyond his shelf life is like, told you so. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't die. Uh, so here's Grandin again talking about Kissinger, how Kissinger grapples with this aspect of Spangler. Having lost a sense of purpose, civilizations lurch outward to find meaning. They get caught up in a series of disastrous wars, propelled forward to doom by history's cosmic beat. Power for power's sake, blood for blood. Imperialism is the inevitable product of this final stage, Kissinger wrote, summing up the decline of the West's argument. An outward thrust to hide the inner void. Kissinger accepted Spreng Spengler's critique of past civilizations, but rejected his determinism. Decay was not inevitable. Spengler, Kissinger said, merely described a fact of decline and not its necessity. There is a margin, he would write in his memoirs, between necessity and accident, in which the statesman, by perseverance and intuition, must choose and thereby shape the destiny of his people. Ugh. So Spengler's like, yeah, it seems like when civilizations lose their purpose and start to age, they lurch outward and engage in wars of imperial conquest in a search for meaning, and that leads to disaster, which destroys them. And Kissinger's like, but what if you did the wars right? Yeah. <laughs> but what if you were good at it? <laughs> but what um, if I was involved in every one? <laughs> yeah. What if I was like uh, Mickey in the corner of Rocky? Yeah, it's, it is an amazing, like, this guy being like, here is what happens to empires every single time there's an empire. This is a thing you can go through history and see constantly occurs through thousands of years. And Kissinger's like, no, I can do it right. <laughs> but to be like, no, you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty close. You're pretty yeah. close. Bye. Yeah. I'm, uh, so I'm just thinking kill more. Like, I heard what you said, ups and downs, but I think you wipe everybody out, you know. Have you tried drinking their blood? It is the same logic I have seen every time I've I've seen more than one person get get stuck in the mud it's always either one person gets stuck in the mud or 50 do because right. one person gets stuck in the mud and the other 49 go 
Well, I saw what happened to that guy, but I think I can figure it out. I can get around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like when you enter Congress. I've yeah. got a plan. <laughs> I've got a plan. <laughs> oh, I get money? Oh, never mind. Yeah. I don't have a plan. No, I've been no to lose plans. my plan. Yeah. Well, I have a plan, but it's a different one, and it's you are changed, not going to it's like a it. a lot more about a pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 1951, Henry got a gig working as a consultant with the Army on psychological warfare while he finished his graduate studies. Kissinger's doctoral thesis on the Congress of Vienna did not seem overly relevant to politics, but its first sentence had discussed nuclear weapons and proposed to readers that the efforts of British and Austrian that, that the efforts the British and Austrians made to contain Napoleon might be useful in handling the Soviet Union. I might argue, did Napoleon have a way to end all life on, on Earth if things went badly? With containment? Yeah, his hand. Was, was that the, a factor in, in Napoleon? Shirt, wasn't that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God damn it. So, a sword. <laughs> Kissinger no. believes, he sees that containment is a failure, which it is, because people do not like being colonies. Um, and if the uh, the opposition to being a colony is communism, they'll be like, well, let's try communism. Being yeah. a colony seems to suck. Um so Kissinger sees that containment is a failure, um, but he also believes believes not that like, well, why don't we just like let people do things and like just take care of our own shit? He's like, no, because containment's a failure, war with the Soviet Union is inevitable. Oh, now, God. in Kissinger's view, this has nothing to do with the actions of the United States, but is instead, quote, because of the existence of the United States as a symbol of capitalist democracy. It is mm. literally the early extent of like, well, they hate us for our freedoms. Right, right? yeah, right. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's where he's starting down. <laughs> and obviously, a lot of people are saying shit like this, right? This is not a Kissinger invention. You know, you've got the John Birch Society, all sorts of shit yeah. going on in this period. I don't want to give him too much credit there. It's clear by this point that Henry was going to get into politics. Um, although law enforcement was a possibility too, because when oh he moved God. on, he, he, gets, he starts being a professor at Harvard, right? Like after he graduates and stuff, he starts like helping out his stuff and teaching some classes. And and at one point, the school hosts an international seminar. And when he hears that, like, a bunch of foreign academics are coming to Harvard, he calls the FBI and volunteers to spy on people for them. That's oh amazing. As, as, I mean, honestly, that, it is so amazing with his background to be like, to have that attitude. It just is. Yeah. It really is. It's hard. It's hard to get there. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, he, uh, you got to give him credit. The man yeah. covers some ground. The man is a Batman villain. <laughs> yeah, he really is. So, yeah, his love of politics and his first uh, attempt to build influence at Harvard is by starting a journal named Confluence. Now, this is ostensibly a journal that exists to create what he calls an international forum for discussion. Right? I just want to get good people talking from all around the world. You mm -hmm. know, let the ideas fly. It's like a TED Talk kind of pitch. Sure. But he's he's really vague about. He doesn't really seem to care about what particular discussions he encourages. Um, and his critics would later claim that this journal was quote a fake, primarily an enterprise designed to make Kissinger known to powerful people, uh, right? Yeah. Like he he's just giving letting powerful people write articles because then then he gets them and he gets their their phone number, right? right. He gets their right their mailing. He's, address a, he's networking. Yeah, he's networking. Um, Confluence leads to Henry's first m mention in the pages of the New York Times. And despite what his critics claim, which is probably broadly accurate, the journal did also publish some really significant figures, including Reinhold Neighbor and Hannah Arendt. But while he claimed commitment to free discourse, Kissinger had a real tendency to publish right-wing shitheads, including Enoch Powell, a conservative British politician famous for comparing immigration to, quote, rivers of blood. Well, so that's fair. I mean, I've always agreed with 
that. I mean, that is just <laughs> so straightforward. But you like blood rivers. You I like, love you... a blood river. Oh, my that God. That to me is the, it's the laziest of rivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you float real good. Oh, yeah. All that you bet, salt. yeah it's, it's molasses. <laughs> but that's freedom. I mean, if you can, if you can say immigrants are like a river of blood, mm-hmm. it's... That's the freedom he's talking about. That's the freedom. You want to know what other kind of freedoms right. he's interested oh, in God. publishing? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to quote from Niall Ferguson uh, from the book Kissinger here. An article by Ernst von Salomon, a right-wing German writer who had been convicted for his role in the assassination of Walter Rathenau, a German foreign minister in the Weimar Republic. The article provoked an angry letter from Shepard Stone of the Ford Foundation, who had provided money for both the international seminar and the journal. So first note... He publishes a guy who's basically a, pretty close to a Nazi, a far right German terrorist in the in the Weimar years. And it's so upsetting that a representative of the Ford Foundation complains. Oh, my I Lord. I mean, if you can upset the Ford Foundation, <laughs> yeah, you're crossing you really that line. Yeah. If the Ford Foundation is like your connection to a Nazi worries me. Hey, <laughs> you have, and that's coming from us, who are really cool with that. You know who we are, right? We're like super into that. <laughs> Look, I have the protocols of the elders of Zion tattooed on my chest. Yeah. But like I'm all also gonna, Ford Foundation employees. I'm going to throw a flag on the play. I'm still flagging the play. <laughs> And our new car's coming out, the Ford Swastika. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, <laughs> quote, Stone was appalled that Kissinger would publish an article by a criminal and a Nazi sympathizer like Solomon. Kissinger told Stone he disliked Solomon and opposed what he stood for, considering him a damned soul driven by the Furies. Demonstrating a remarkable self-confidence for a graduate student, Kissinger defended himself for publishing the article. I may err occasionally on the side of too great tolerance, partly because I believe our readers sufficiently mature to make their own judgments. Kissinger argued that what Solomon represented was a symptom of certain tendencies of our age, but that by appearing in a liberal journal like Confluence, Solomon was the one who was compromised. Kissinger was not simply defending free speech. He had solicited the article from Solomon, tell, telling the German about, quote, having long admired your writings, even oh if I could God. not share your point of view. What? <laughs> so <laughs> it gets better and more relevant to today because when there's an outcry against this, Kissinger writes a letter to his friend Kramer and says, I have now joined you as the cardinal villain in liberal demonology. Ugh. Oh, my God. This is <laughs> I know. Fucking... It's just, he's just doing it now. He's just doing it now. He's got the it's monocle fucking, now, too. It's like mm-hmm. hearing Glenn Greenwald talk to Joe Rogan. Yes, it's like, what the, f- how? How is this still happening? How are you the pioneer of this, Henry Kissinger? How are you the pioneer of this? Uh, <laughs> oh, By the way, amazing. his explanation, if you're if I, you're me just listening to it, like, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> not sure what he's saying, but all, all right. Okay. Yeah. So we got to hear from this Nazi who shot because a dude. You, okay, because you, all right, well. Because it'll anger the libs? As long as you said it's cool. Yeah. And uh, next next month we have Ed Gein is doing a little number. Uh, mm-hmm. Ed Gein's going to walk us through lamp workings. <laughs> <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. And then we're having the Zodiac Killer on to teach us about proper parking techniques. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pentagramming. And, and, and coding. <laughs> <laughs> He'd actually be pretty good at that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
So once he had finished his dissertation and graduated, Henry found himself in need of like a steady gig. He's doing like, he wasn't a professor at that point. He was like, right. but he was like doing like graduate students, you know, helping to teach whatever. I didn't do a college. So, but you know how grad students teach shit and stuff. Sure, but yeah. he wants like a full on gig. He's trying to get a, a, an actual full time job as an assistant professor, but he's not able to because most people don't like Henry Kissinger. I wonder, what, I wonder <laughs> any reason yeah. why that you can. <laughs> a lot of people at Harvard are not <laughs> loving it. Not not a huge fan. I'm not of loving the, guy. the Nazi publishing Jew <laughs> from Germany. Yeah, they are. They are. They they consider him slightly problematic. I wonder uh, so what he it is. drifts for a bit. He's unable to find work. You know, and he's still he's still doing some stuff at Harvard, but he's like not. He's 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 kind of adrift in his career until in 1954 he runs into a friend, Arthur Schlesinger Jr. at Harvard. Schlesinger had a letter in his possession from a former secretary of the Air Force defending Eisenhower, the Eisenhower administration's standard of threatening massive retaliation for the so, to the Soviets. Now, the gist of this idea that the Eisenhower administration really kicked off was that if we promise the Soviets that if there's ever a confrontation, we will immediately like send out a world-ending hail of nukes, right? Mm -hmm. Then those lines won't get crossed, right? We won't have any kind of fight at all. If like sure. that, if everyone knows those are the stakes, then nothing will happen, right? That's the idea. Um, Kissinger disagrees with this take, right? Which is reasonable to disagree with, right? Yeah. There's a lot of problems with the we will end the world if there's any kind of I, issue. I, I'm worried where he's going to yeah, take it. Yeah, yeah, though. he's going to make it worse. He's going to make it worse. <laughs> he, Use you the know notes. what, guys? He, he sure does. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what he does, Gareth. Because... Because Kissinger's, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what he does in a bit, but he, he writes a letter kind of writing out some critiques to this, and he has his friend Nelson Rockefeller send it to Eisenhower. He's friends with Nelson Rockefeller, by the sure, way. Sure, of course. Every, everyone is in this period. All the cool people. <laughs> um, when the president rejects Kissinger's analysis at the advice of John Foster Dulles, Rockefeller resigns, and he resigns from his job with the administration, which like temporarily like closes a door to Henry. But the letter that Kissinger had received was well enough, like popular enough among other thinkers in Washington that it earns him a job offer, heading a study group at the Council on Foreign Relations, studying nuclear weapons and foreign policy. But of course, Henry's problem with massive retaliation wasn't that using nuclear weapons was unconscionable. It was that the world-ending nature of the threats the Eisenhower administration was making meant they would never nuke anybody. And mm. Kissinger thought this was a terrible idea. Absolutely. He thought that what? nuclear weapons should be used tactically what? to What's secure happening? battlefield victories what? against the communists. Absolutely. What's Absolutely. happening? What? He, he thinks... He yeah. thinks it's bad to have nukes and not use them. He's yeah, that's his he's, a, that's yeah. his angle. Yeah. What yeah. in the fuck? It's good. Yeah, it's wild that in this argument between if there's a fight, we'll kill everybody, or what if we just try using nukes a little bit? The kill everybody guys have the more reasonable take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really, you're close. You're close to getting yeah, it right. Yeah, yeah. we can, you're we off can a do couple it much, ticks. much faster. It's it's My incredible. Way. And also, but like, again, this is this he's the people he's arguing with is the Eisenhower administration. Nelson Rockefeller is not a right winger who's like, this guy's got some shit going on. You know, right. we should listen to him. And like he's a lot of people who are not like, you know, hard right dudes are like, yeah, maybe it makes sense. We got to be using these like tactical nuclear oh, weapons. Geez, we should at least consider the possibility. You know, <laughs> he makes a good point. He uses smart words and yeah. he quotes from he's smart people a lot he of talks words. about nuking folks. You got a lot of words. Uh, so that is part one of our epic series, Henry oh, Kissinger. Jesus. Jesus Christ, dude, maybe become an accountant. What um, a guy. What a guy. In part two, we'll talk about how he gets into power. So that's going to be a hoot for everybody. Mm -hmm. But- 
feel like before we do that, you guys, do you guys like do like um like a like a like a giant influential popular podcast that maybe <laughs> this this podcast is is heavily influenced by? Is that something you guys do? Are you talking about Rogan? Yes, yes, you are both Joe Rogan, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The dollop, yes, the dollop. Podcast. It is your podcast. Your we believe in using yes. the nukes. We yes, that that was a, that your six part series, the dollops. Why we need to nuke people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go for it, Eisenhower. Um, <laughs> check out the dollop if you have not already. Um, just a, a fucking very very funny podcast. Uh, you guys want to plug anything else before we we roll out into part two? I mean, my ears a couple times during this, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> no. Well, uh, you can everybody... go to dollappodcast.com. We're yes. on a tour all over the place uh, in Australia and uh, and domestically soon. That will be very exciting. I am excited to tour touring to exist again thing in our lives yeah uh fingers crossed (laughs) so until part two go home and read some oswald spangler and then disagree with it in a way that makes you much much worse yep yes (laughs) put the monocle in the bad eye (laughs) yeah all right Hi, everybody. Robert Evans here, and my novel, After the Revolution, is available for pre-order now from akpress.org. Now, if you go to akpress.org, you can find After the Revolution. Just Google akpress.org, After the Revolution. You'll find a list of participating indie bookstores selling my book. And if you pre-order now from either of these independent bookstores or from AK Press, you'll get a custom signed copy of the book, which I think is pretty cool. You can also pre-order it in physical or in Kindle form from Amazon or pretty much wherever books are sold. So please Google AK Press after the revolution um, or find an indie bookstore in your area and pre-order it. You'll get a signed copy and you'll make me very happy. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Calm. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org.
That's trinityschool.org.